Everybody, 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 drop your box. Okay, let's talk about cum. Slurp it up. Welcome back to Drop Your Buffs. I'm Sean Ross. <laughs> Should I pause and then <laughs> say I'm Evan Roscats? And we're talking, and just like that, episode four, Alive. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Is this, I, I get the vivant, I get the alive, but is, are, are, is there any correlation to like Alive, the airplane disaster movie i'm unfamiliar so i can neither confirm nor deny isn't that the story of the airplane that crashed in the mountains in south america and they reverted to cannibalism is that a metaphor for miranda's marriage maybe uh no i i think it's just a live exclamation point like because they couldn't because they didn't want people to be like oh my god am i on max francais Mm -hmm. yeah well, what an episode of And Just Like That to be talking about. I'm kind of like feeling a little bit of electricity right now um, <laughs> in that I'd watched, this is the last of the episodes I'd watched in advance. Uh-huh. And it was like super mid on this episode when I watched it because the plot point I remembered most was the Charlotte LTW dinner plot line, which is like the biggest oh throwaway God. in the episode. I don't even want to talk about that. What I had forgotten about, and I think I think I you know might have just been not fully present you know the first time I was watching because I knew I would be watching it so many other times. This was a like career best for and just like that. This episode was laugh out loud funny throughout. There are so many funny moments in this episode, and I appreciate that although we've gotten more sex in the first three episodes of the show what i felt was still missing and what is so present in this episode is sex talk Mm. um we get plenty of sex talk and i just want to again shout out cynthia sorry not cynthia nixon well she can get a shout out too but kristen davis's performance as charlotte in this episode is phenomenal. And I love the fact that like they gave her two plot lines because she has the LTW dinner party where she sort of reignites her career. Yeah. And then she gets this Casper the friendly come plot line. Uh-huh. And I think that uh well one won out of the two, but I'm glad that she was given a winner and not just a clunker. Yeah. Very interesting story for Charlotte here because I see Charlotte as such a mom in the derogatory term Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's like just uppity and like a bit like out of touch and not fun and wow to see her just talking come saying come slut come slut well i believe it was miranda she's described as a come slut yeah which is canonically one of my favorite moments on and just like that instantly Mm -hmm. i also think notably we got rid of the kids off to camp um, which I think is, I'm hoping that that is for the rest of this season. Um, on the one hand, that means that we're not going to get any more of Lily's we gotta Park get Avenue. More Lily. We've got to get more Lily. First of all, there was, there's been three weeks since the last episode, if I'm to uh-huh. understand that correctly. So if we're moving at this pace, the kids have to come back. How long They're- are they going to be gone? They're literally back at the start of episode five, I imagine. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I do have reason to believe they're back because I think one thing that I, I read that like, I have no, again, I have no more spoilers moving forward. I have seen online that people believe that Lily and Brady are going to be fucking at some point, which would. What? No. Well, that would lead lead me to believe. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Brady, Miranda's son, Mm -hmm. who's an adult. Uh huh. And Lily, well, who's a child, as <laughs> that's a child. As we learned with episode three, uh, ethics around age uh, are not really. <laughs> that, of this huge is importance. not okay. They don't want to go there. If that is in the show, there is still time to take it out. So I think what people might be 
getting this intel from is the poster for and just like that season two has brady and lily at the end smiling at one another which i understand it's a big leap from smiling to fucking uh-huh. but also in the world of it just like that it's like not a big leap how um, old is lily 13 uh i believe lily is 15 <sighs> she's a young 15 so the actress is 26 uh, and Lily is 16 years old. <laughs> Are you joking? No. Sorry, the actress? Yes. Who plays Lily? Yes. Are we talking about the same character? Yes. The singer? Yes. She's not 26. She's 26. <laughs> Don't know what to tell you. The girl age. who sang the song on the piano and sold all her clothes. Sean, it's a ballad. It's not just a song. It's a piano. She's ballad. 26 years old. She is 26 years old. You can keep asking it and I can keep repeating. I don't know what to believe anymore. Well, believe me because I'm looking on Google. <laughs> I'm done. Thanks right. so much for listening. Yeah, it was lovely <laughs> chatting. So we have the kids off. The other person that we sort of just decided to eliminate from the end, just like that universe, this episode was Naya. Last we heard from oh, Naya, yeah, yeah she Didn't was <laughs> right. She was potentially beginning her first post-marital moment with the microphone, yeah, the sound guy from LTW's documentary. That's the last we heard from her. Now, I don't think we were worse for the wear without her, but I did think it was notable that you know we have this character who we just did not hear from at all. And interestingly, I feel like there was an opportunity in which we could have heard from her because, you know, we're exploring the Miranda back in the New York City of it all. And Naya and Miranda, just so you know, Naya entered the show because she was Miranda's professor in season uh, one when Miranda was, I believe, in grad school or taking college courses. That's oh, how right. She... I did know that. I did know that. Yeah. So I feel like we could have gotten Naya in this episode, uh, but instead we did not. Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think, yeah, I don't think I am not complaining about it, but I did think it was notable. Yeah. And also, it's just interesting if, like, taking these four episodes and looking at Naya, because Naya certainly feels like the most shoehorned character of the four characters that were added to and just like that. So mm-hmm. Seema, LTW, Che, and Naya. I feel like the other three characters are very much ingrained into the lore of this series. Naya, I'm just not really understanding how she fits into all of this. I even think that that LTW documentary moment was quite a stretch. Um, but it was a stretch that they made. I'm not sure where we go with Naya from here. Uh, okay, so I'm feeling a little bit like uh, you're calling her LT, Lisa Todd Wexler? Wexley. Lisa Todd Wexley. I feel like she doesn't really fit, like she's too rich almost. I would say watching the anniversary dinner, which was like watching paint dry, was. It just felt she's so her life is so opulent. And like, yeah, Carrie is rich, and we certainly got references to how rich Carrie is. But there seems to be a disconnect in the way that like Lisa lives her life, that it's so, so over the top opulent that um I don't know. It's like that Charlotte is showing up to her party. Like Charlotte, I realize must have money, but there seems to be a huge gap here. Mm, interesting. Do you feel I that f- way? I don't disagree with you. I feel like LTW is the character that I am the most into as far as where she fits into the end, just like that X SATC mm-hmm. you know, continuum. But I definitely feel like they're not giving her the best plot point so far. Mm. But I do remember, I think it was episode three. Yes, it was when she has the lunch with Anthony and Charlotte and there's like that micro moment where like Anthony shows her one of the guys from Hot Fellas on his phone and she's taking the sip of the drink and she sort of like coughs it up and he goes, does this guy seem hot enough for Hot Fellas? And she goes, yes. And it's moments like that where I'm like, Nicole Ari Parker is like at the level of the other, of the SATC right. ladies by way of like, you know, charisma, uniqueness, serve and talent. Um, 
But they're definitely, and this episode wasn't the first instance of it, but they're shoehorning her by way of like not giving her the most interesting plot lines. Um, This documentary she's making is like, basically the plot line is she's so rich, but she wants to fund the documentary herself. And I feel like the stakes are immediately beyond this just being a very random plot line because we don't really know much about her and her professional life. The stakes are so much lowered when you know that, like, if push came to shove, LTW could just go in her pocketbook and write herself a check. Right, right. Yeah. And I do feel like the mother, we kind of, like, is a little... I mean, I, I although I appreciate the mother, and I will always love her line <laughs> from... I think it was episode two when her husband's... Uh, there's a knock at the, the bedroom door... And she goes, not now, uh, we're having mommy-daddy time. And then she opens the door and she goes, it's mother time. <laughs> yes. I love that line. It's one of my favorite moments of the season. But I, I, I feel like she's a little bit one note by way of like, she's just super prickly. And also, right. uh, you might not know this, having not watched Sex and the City, but there is a character, Bunny McDougal, who was Charlotte's former husband's mother, who I feel like is very similar to this character. So I feel like we've sort of struck this chord before. Um, Thankfully, I feel like this whole LTW plot about this dinner and no one showing up, I feel like was ultimately in service of Charlotte's next chapter, which is her returning to work. Also, we did get a promo clip on Instagram of Charlotte in a gallery with Sam Smith. Um, So very eager to see. I'm assuming that Sam Smith is wanting to buy some art and comes to Charlotte. Are Sam Smith? who's the r in this equation our communities um after that photo outside julius with the cop i feel like our is debatable but um they are a member of the lgbtq plus community but i'm curious to see how that point plot point is going to play out but yeah i feel like this if nothing else i feel like we we have forward motion for charlotte whereas with carrie and mind you the carrie of this episode easy breezy like just i loved being with carrie this episode yes i am curious where we go from here because if we recall episode two she lost her job and and 17 other people's jobs (laughs) yeah and broke up with the guy that she was sleeping with on thursdays so we appear to be like in a bit of a holding pattern with carrie Uh but that said like you know she's out for breakfast with Bobby Lee's character, and she's going to this, you know, hanging out with, uh, uh, what's that feminist icon? Gloria Steinem. She's Gloria hanging out Steinem. with Gloria Steinem. <laughs> um, so I loved being with Carrie in this episode. Um, and then also, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, but the Miranda plotline was... <clears throat> yeah, it was wild. That was something. I Lyle, Lyle, like- Crocodile. I feel like I loved like because Sex in the City really excelled at like bringing the comedy into sexual situations, especially Miranda. I loved the idea of this threesome moment and like her and you, you know, you as a viewer have a way in which you think Miranda is going to react. And then she not only reacts differently, but she addresses what you, the viewer, think Miranda would probably do in this situation and is like actively working through it in real time, which I loved. I just feel like the Charlie horse was not where I wanted it to go. (laughs) I wanted it to be that like, she was sort of unable to find her positioning physically within the threesome. Mm. Cause that's where it started to go to. Cause she gets behind Che, they're making out. And you know, we've all, not we've all, many of us have been in an awkward threesome where we're like trying to figure out like how the bodies all go together and who's going where and who's getting attention giving attention are we am i joining forces with two to service one but like yeah all this stuff so i i like that i don't it didn't quite land for me but i i loved the idea of it and i like the fact that we in this scene we're getting character evolution for miranda because i feel like it's sort of had she been like uncomfortable with it it would have been sort of typical miranda yeah but it's almost like Miranda is willing to acquiesce to Che's lifestyle and also like potentially adopt it for herself. But then it sort of leads to this question of like, how is there a point at which 
that's, I mean, judging, I mean, thinking of what we know of Miranda, there's going to come a point where she's pushing herself too far. Right. And that's also an interesting, like, not just for Miranda, but in life. It's like, you know, you meet someone, they sort of expand your idea of your own boundaries or your own limitations. And you're like, this is exciting, right? I'm meeting someone whose outlook is more expansive than my own. But then sometimes it's like, we also have to recognize like sometimes our limitations and or our boundaries are there for a reason. And so I think this is like a really ripe like uh, plot point and, and conversation for people of any age to be having when it comes to meeting someone who sort of like cracks open your world. Yeah, and sometimes it's fun to explore that expanded horizon. And then you're like, well, I did that. And there's comfort in what I knew. And I want to go back to that. And the thing is, Miranda had that whole experience in 30 seconds. Right. So I wanted to touch down on the breakfast that Carrie was having because this was one of the more like clunky moments for the show. So she's at breakfast with, I I guess I should look up the name of this character. Bobby Lee. Jackie. Jackie. Okay. I feel like we brought in these four new characters, Fran, just like that, right? And then we have the pre-existing Sex and the City ladies and, like, some ancillary characters brought over from Sex and the City. I don't really understand, like, why we're, like, doubling down on Jackie. Right. Like, because right now, a lot of the criticism I've seen lobbed at the show right now is feeling like there's too many characters that we have to attend to. Mm -hmm. So, for instance... Naya, who is a cast member on this show, does not appear in this episode, but Bobby, a recur or excuse me, Jackie, a recurring character on the show, does. And I also just like don't really understand the basis of their friendship and like why that was necessary. And then like him like having gastrointestinal issues and then Carrie yeah. reacting very like Flase da about it when it's like it's kind of gross. If like if I was at the table, it's eating, literally gross. Yeah, it, it's quite gross. Um, so then he gets up, goes to the bathroom, and then like Enid sees her and then like ignores her. Was Enid trying to get Carrie's attention but make it seem like it was Carrie that saw her? See, I th- I read this whole thing as very dark-sided, actually, because I thought that because at the same time that Enid sees Carrie, Carrie's getting these mystery text messages uh-huh. from this older man. And it seemed to me like Enid was seeing that happen, not necessarily just seeing Carrie Bradshaw and reacting to Carrie Bradshaw in public, but seeing Carrie get these mystery text messages. And I was like, oh, she's got something to do with it. Turns out she did have something to do with it, but not in in an active role. And so when she's watching Carrie, I was like, oh, there's this is like dark sided. There's some plot going on around Carrie. Um, but I, in fact, it's, it reads to me like she was simply trying to avoid her. But you don't stare at somebody like that when you're trying to avoid them. You, right. you look in their direction, you confirm that it's them, and then you act preoccupied until you're out of the space. Right, and then like when she finally did come over, she didn't seem too keen to catch up with Carrie, but then all of a sudden she sits down at the table. So that was interesting. I felt like it, it was obviously great to see Enid. So Enid was Carrie's boss for a little while. I believe she came in in season five or season six of Sex and the City. Do you know Candace Bergen? Yeah, of course I do. Okay, well, just making sure you never know. Um, so it was great to see Enid again. A so very she welcome... is Murphy Brown, right? She is Murphy Brown. Yeah, okay, I know Murphy Brown. Great to see her back. And then we go over to, well, obviously the kids go off to school. You know what? Then... Actually, like, now that I think about it, it's probably what she was doing was staring at Carrie, calculating that I know Carrie asked me to promote her book or do a blurb for her book. And I said, no, but wait a second, Carrie's also rich and I have this project I need funded. And so that's probably, this calculation is probably going on in her head where she's like, how am I going to talk to her? Because it's going to become this awkward moment, mm-hmm. but I could also dig into her pockets. So I that's like that. Yeah. yeah. And I do love like the, like thinking about breaking this plot point in the writer's room, I love this idea of 
the idea that like there aren't just young people and old people. So even to someone like Carrie, there is an age bracket above hers that she's not wanting to be boxed into, even though she's no longer in the age bracket that we first met her at. And so I like that sort of tension between her feeling like she's too young to be, like she's almost like offended to be considered in the same sentence of, not sentence, but she's like, doesn't want to be boxed in to the same category as Enid, but also recognizes that like Enid is an icon. And I thought that was sort of a, a nice sort of tension there. So then the kids go off to camp and then we come to Miranda who is like, the world of Los Angeles has quickly <laughs> evaded her and she's back in New York and we're downstairs. She gets up off the couch, her back is hurting. She goes upstairs and then we start hearing a punching bag. Mm -hmm. And then the camera pans over and we have, for the first time in season two, Steve, Sean, this is uh -huh. your first time meeting Steve. Yeah. Initial thoughts. Like, I'm not blown away. <laughs> <laughs> this was set up for me as hottest guy in Sex in the City history, Steve. And certainly, great body, mm -hmm. handsome fella. Um, am I like gagging? No, like it seems like a good guy. So, in fairness, I think Steve. I mean, like it, it, this was a welcome. Um, I think this moment was more cathartic in knowing that like Steve will still be around, right? I don't think Steve like did much in this episode. And I think if this was your first time meeting Steve, uh, yeah, I wouldn't walk away with many memories outside of the fact of like, yeah, like David Eibenberg hit the gym before filming and mm -hmm. looks very good. I'd um, say he looks so different with the shirt off than with the shirt on, like in the therapy session, which I, I thought, I thought barely recognized him. We've talked about this on our hottest man of survivor episode where it's like, I love a man who, has a hot body that you wouldn't know that it's hot in clothes. I, I should yeah, qualify. Yeah, yeah. Fit bodies are not the only kind of hot body, but I should say rather, I love when a guy is super fit, but appears in a shirt to be very ordinary. Evan, this ship has sailed on the sexiest men. People people know what you find sexy. Okay, sorry. <clears throat> not sorry, <laughs> this is my taste. My taste is my taste. Um. But it was just exciting, you know, again, we, uh, David Eigenberg, Steve was not included on the poster for season two. And though people that sort of have their eyes and ears on the ground, you know, there is paparazzi shots of David Eigenberg filming with Sarah Jessica Parker and John Corbett. I believe it was in Coney Island um, over the summer, although, or whenever they did film this season. Although we saw those pictures, this was our first, you know, reminder of Steve now, Brady, like this whole plot of like Brady sort of being kind of like the the glue within this dissolving marriage, but then, you know, they still have to recognize that they're both parents. It's a bit confusing because I, I guess I'm like, I'm not totally sold on this. Uh, like, w what is this all for? <laughs> it seems like all that it's for is determining Miranda's living situation mm -hmm. which like i'm a little confused because now chase renting a place or buying renting a place in new york right and so it's like are they not just going to move in together and so isn't this temporary anyways and why is miranda offering to leave and then steve's offering to leave right it's also like miranda has a couple options here as far as like she could go i'm sure charlotte and all of her wealth has and a guest room that Miranda could stay in. I think Miranda could easily get a hotel room, an Airbnb. It doesn't quite make sense that Miranda would choose to be home on the couch, although you could sort of sell it where it's like, well, she wants to be near Brady. Mm -hmm. um, Who doesn't want to be near Miranda. Yeah, although, but like when Brady called, it was like, mommy, mommy, mommy. Yeah. Yeah. So again, with uh, with the Brady age thing, let's see. So how old do you think Brady is supposed to be? The character? Yeah. Well, he's about to go to college, so I'd say 18. Yeah, so he's 17. I'm okay. Saying. So, okay. Well, with that in mind, if he's 17 and Lily's 16, that's I not like... I still don't like it. Oh, I don't well, like it said 15, either. I thought. 16? It's 16? 
Uh, <laughs> oh no, I think you said sixteen, and twenty six was the real age. I'm I I don't I can't comprehend how that actress is twenty six. Yeah, Lily is sixteen. So we have sixteen and seventeen. Um, yeah. The so therapist anyway, looked 26. <laughs> the therapist was a Kathy comic come to life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I guess what I'm wondering is where do we go from here? Because but I, I guess, again, if, what I was hoping for was that Miranda comes back and I wanted some sort of her seeing Steve and it reminding her of like the aspects of Steve that she once loved, mm. kind of like that time away from him and, you know, she had, I guess what's still unclear is Miranda left California on a bad note with Che, but then, like, we pick up in this episode and everything's fine. So what's unclear is, like, what I thought was going to be the case was that Miranda was unable to get her footing in Los Angeles, sort of felt like she was just there as Che's plus one, and, you know, is going to clean up the beach and loses her phone and goes in the... um the what's the isolation thing the sensory deprivation the sensory tank. deprivation tank and gets the stuff in right i thought the whole plot point was going to be like new miranda is not working out you know has to go to the tattoo parlor because she's unsure and so i thought the return to new york was going to be like the return to herself right but i feel like they sort of abandoned everything that was built in those first three episodes which we've come to know is sort of very and just like that ian um you know what I thought was going to happen with Miranda this episode was that they were going to have the threesome and that Miranda was going to fall back in love with Dick and was going to be like, well, I've got Steve right here. And that there was mm. going to be this whole thing of like push and pull with, well, do I want to be with Che? Am I a lesbian or am I not? Or am I bisexual? Right, right, right. And what, do, what am I looking for? And like, would it just be easier to be back with my family unit and like suck it up? Right, because we've had Miranda identifying as a lesbian. So it, whereas there was questions around like, you know, and also Che's non-binary, so it wasn't necessarily clear what Miranda's sexuality was. Also, when Miranda first sees that, what's his name is in the bed? Lyle. Lyle. When we, also, you know that that's Goldie Hawn's son. No. Yeah. So brother of? Yes, Kate Hudson. Kate Hudson. Yeah, what's his name? Uh, Oliver Hudson. Huh. Yeah, father is Kurt Russell. Oh my God. Hudson's father. No, Oliver Hudson's father is Bill Hudson. Which would <laughs> be why his last name is Hudson and not Russell. Uh, but yes, his mother is Goldie Hawn, his half- no, as, who's Kate Hudson's father? I don't know. Aye, aye, aye. And are any of them related to Katy Perry? I don't have the fingers to Google. <laughs> um, but they are, but anyway, but what I'm curious about is, so initially Miranda, they see that Lyle's in bed. Miranda, Che says that they're going to, that implies that they're going to sleep in the bed. Mm-hmm. And that Miranda- Which is would, already a wild, like- Right, and that Miranda would stay on the, the couch. Class. It's like, first of all, wake Lyle up move him onto the couch but also like at that point it's like again these are rich human beings go get in a hotel like just the problem solving here and but then or all of a sudden wake up Lyle and tell him to sleep on the couch that's what i just said oh <laughs> <laughs> but also my point is miranda walks out of the room Saying like you have to, you owe me, implying that Che is going to sleep in there and Miranda's going to sleep on the couch. But then we cut back to that scene, and all three of them are in bed together. Yeah, that was confusing. It was totally confusing. You could see the pieces falling into place. You knew where it was going. You could see it from a mile away. Did I see a threesome? No. I thought that what was going to happen was that Che was going to go into bed. They were going to like have a little. Uh, remember, I don't know. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> you remember on? Uh, I think it was. Well, it was on Desperate Housewives, but which character? I feel like Gabby may have had a, or no, maybe it was Felicity Huffman's character. Somebody had a sexomnia storyline where they were just like humping in their sleep. And I mm. thought Che was going to have sexomnia with Lyle. And then it was going to be a big deal, but it wasn't going to be anybody's fault necessarily. But right. Miranda was going to have a problem with it. But that's not where this went. That's not where it went. You could I was... see that something was going to happen with Lyle in bed. Yeah. I mean, it definitely did not go where I was expecting it to go. Uh, but I thought that Lyle ha- was having great chemistry with Carrie. Okay, but like that worried me because I was like, I do not <laughs> want a plot line in which Carrie gets together 
with Che's ex. Right. And when the pegging talk came up, I was like, oh my God, I do not need Carrie Bradshaw pegging. getting pegged. Like, Oh, I thought it would. That she'd be she doing, be the, doing pegging. the pegging. Well, I thought that was the thing. I thought Lyle was getting pegged. Yeah, no, that okay, that makes sense. I, I don't need any situation in which Carrie is pegging. I just don't, I don't see that in the <laughs> Carrie trajectory. No, she won't even say dry vagina. Because if you're going to do a pegging plot line, which I'm all for, again, Sex and the Cities, the sex scenes are sort of at their best when they're played for laughs. And I feel like SJ's, like the hu- Carrie's humor with a pegging scene is best, like the pegging scene is best for Miranda or Samantha. Right, right. We need our girl Samantha. Uh, but I did, I, I, I didn't really understand. So they're talking, Carrie and, and Lyle. It's like kind of flirtatious, but hard to know. I also like Miranda and Che going in the other room and like starting to like hook up. I'm like, how old are these We're people? Grown ups. Yeah, We're grown like, ups. It's like they can't keep their hands off each other for two minutes. Like the only people of that age who should behave it, be behaving like that are gay people. Well. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I meant gay men. I meant gay men. <laughs> you know what? Actually, checks out. You know what that is? I, you know, now that I've revisited this and it's all come out of my mouth, it checks out. Right. Okay, so let's check in <laughs> to my favorite plot point in the episode, right? So we have, basically the implication is that because the the kids have gone up to camp, Charlotte and, uh, uh, what was I was going to say Steve. Harry. Charlotte and Harry can fuck. And not only can they fuck, they will fuck. So they're in bed together. I will return to a comment I made earlier this season. There's just something about the lack of sexual chemistry between mm-hmm. Kristen Davis and what is his name? Harry. <laughs> Evan Handler. There's just a lack of chemistry there. So I love, <laughs> like, remember in the opening episode, when, <laughs> the opening scene when Charlotte first comes out of the bathroom yeah. and like wraps her hands and we had talked about the fact that it was like kind of like a mother wrapping her arms around her son. <laughs> So I love that we were given this plot point. I love that it was immediately raunchy from the outset where she's like, I want you to come on my tits, come on my tits. He comes on her tits, but we come to learn that there's no ejaculate. Did you have a moment with this where you were like, wait, they they couldn't go as far as to actually put the cum? So no, because I know that if any show is going to do that, it would be in just like that. Okay. Or I definitely was like, I was like, oh, and then she's even reaching for the tissue. And I was like, oh, we're just really going to pretend that there's something there. No, my reaction was something has to be amiss because I was expecting a big load on her face. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I feel like this is the show to have the big load on the face. Okay. Um, and then we cut to breakfast the next day brunch it's our first scene this season oh my god what thank god they were all there i was gonna say our first scene this season with miranda at the table this scene this scene this was the best scene of and just like that i hate to use like the term return to form but like this was like classic sex and the city with one key role reversal, which is that Charlotte, who famously at one point on the show walks out of brunch during sex talk because she cannot handle the discourse over food, is like really just blatant (laughs) about how she likes it, when she likes it. And then you get this great Carrie line where she says, oh, this is that detail of Carrie saying, jizz, jizz, Jizz. Jizz is like an old friend that gets on your nerves. I think I'd miss it if it were gone. Because this is funny because we have Carrie, the sexual anthropologist podcast host who doesn't even want to read an ad about vaginal wellness. But in this conversation, I I was thinking, I was like, well, what's Carrie's relationship to this whole conversation? And typically we get Carrie asking the questions. It's like, well, you know, how do you like it? But it was fun having someone sort of put the microphone in front of Carrie and then having Carrie be like pro, and we're calling it jizz. Yeah, pro jizz. I think jizz is being reclaimed by the older generation. Good. I mean, take it. Like the older generation, like the generation of, like, (laughs) what are they? 
are these uh not uh are these Gen Xers? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But then I like Enid would be Enid would be a boomer, no? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um but <laughs> but I I just feel like I've been hearing jizz more mm-hmm. in the mainstream, which means that it's by people our age or older. And I don't mind it, but I'm wondering, like, is that I'm so curious about what the younger generation thinks of that word. Should we like it's graphic? A, should we phone a friend? Well, we don't have I we don't have any younger friends. That's true. <laughs> well, well, we'll never know. What did you make of this scene? I loved it. I thought it was quick. Like the the delivery was quick. The writing was quick quick it was almost hard to keep up with every line here about calm and jizz uh i don't know that i needed uh anthony is that his name uh-huh mario Cantone. i i don't know that i needed him there but i understood the requirement to have the fourth to complete the circle and uh i, I mean like him talking about being a milking machine kind of like made me gag <laughs> but, but i appreciated no one <laughs> react like, what what worked so yeah. well about this whole scene was no one was reacting with any form of disgust or even surprise. Yeah, and the only thing that you had that came close to that was that Miranda was like, "Well, I never liked it, so that should have been our first sign." Mm-hmm. And so that's okay. And but but then Miranda is the one that comes out with the "You're a cum slut" line. Right. So everybody was very game to talk about the loads. I also loved when they're sort of talking about how Charlotte ordinarily likes it. And she says, well, normally Harry would come inside of me. And then Miranda just says, "Uh uh-huh. And then Charlotte says, this was just a special treat since the kids are away. And the way Carrie says, aw, and that like sort of (laughs) like smile on her face is just so adorable. And it's funny because this scene for me felt so much in response to the fandom's complaints about the lack of sex and the feeling like the last season was kind of, melancholic right because we're in the aftermath of the death of carrie's husband and yet even though this scene felt so you like yes we hear you fans were like fan servicey it was done at such a calibrated so perfectly that i was like yes more fan service it almost made me think it's like okay they're listening to us like let's be (laughs) louder about the things we don't like so that we can get stuff like this hmm and to yeah, I thought point, it worked really well, and it, fe- it felt like there wasn't this weight on it. I, and I feel like that applied to the whole episode. There wasn't like a really heavy weight on anything. It was all a little throwaway. It was like, is is any of this really going to matter next episode? Probably not, and I don't mind that. Right. I do think to you, what you were saying about Anthony and the fourth chair there, this was an example of a scene that I think would be so perfect for Stanford to be present at, and one of the scenes that I... I don't know, I've had Stanford on my mind a lot lately and just thinking about one of my favorite scenes from the first season is when Carrie arrives home for the first time after Big's funeral and Miranda and Charlotte and Stanford are there. And just that was like just seeing the four of them together. I felt like if anyone was going to fill the void of Samantha, it was Stanford. It would never be Anthony for me. And so this is one of those scenes I was like, God, I wish... We had Stanford here, but I understand the utility of having Anthony in that scene. And I think, again, just seeing Miranda back at the table and the fact that they like didn't make a to-do of it, I thought was a really smart choice. It was sort of just like, we're back in the mix. And I think after mm. three episodes of having her relegated to strictly phone conversations with the girls, it was just such a relief to see her there once again, especially in contrast to like the opening scene where it's like, She's sleeping on the couch, her back hurts. You get that moment when she like looks in the mirror in the bathroom and is like, oh fuck. And you're like, I thought that was such a great moment. Oh, I, I loved it. That was my it. favorite moment of the whole episode because it was so real. I do that like every day of my life. <laughs> you know, you just walk into a bathroom like, oh, like here we go again. And I love that she gave that like that Miranda smile to no one before when she before she goes to the door, she's smiling. And at first I was like, oh, she's smiling at Steve. But no, she's walked past Steve. She's just like, again, it's like so Miranda that it's like she always has to keep up appearances. Um, and I just I love there's something about Cynthia Nixon's fake smile that I just can't get enough. <laughs> I cannot get enough. But yeah, that lunch, brunch, whatever it was, I feel like was just absolutely enthralling um and then we get we're back to ltw 
where we get whatever conversation about this event that she's throwing. This yeah. to me was like definitely the throwaway plot point of the yeah. episode. You know how Sex in the City was 30 minutes long? Uh-huh. It's because it didn't have this plot line in it. Right, right. So then we're back to Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte and Harry go and see, I guess, like a sex therapist or something who gives them some exercises that, that they can do. We get a great scene of Harry and Charlotte together sort of practicing some exercises that they can do at home together. Charlotte has I a have great no mind. disrespect to this man that plays Harry, but it's not sexy. No. It's distinctly but unsexy. I will say, in defense of that, when Harry was first brought on the show, the whole issue for Charlotte was that she was not sexually attracted to him. You know, mm. he was brought in as her divorce lawyer, so she was sort of forced to spend time with him in the beginning. And then the things that, you know, I, th I believe he like he was like a very sweaty mess at one point. Like she was visibly disgusted by him. And then she <laughs> grew to love him. So... It's it's always been built into the DNA of their relationship that it's not they're not heathens or well mm. he might be for her but like she's never been overwhelmingly attracted to him okay but I felt like because it's like I like the choice that if Carrie is gonna have her husband die and if Miranda's gonna have her marriage fall apart I do feel like you need Charlotte's plot point to be like her marriage needs to be in great shape with like small problems like my husband's ejaculate is not coming out that feels like the right course given the other two if charlotte was in some sort of bad marriage i feel like it would just be it would be too uh one note you know amongst the three amongst the three of them by the way does this happen i am not familiar but i'm gonna guess it does wow a new fear a new fear so then we get this very long scene at the birthday dinner, um, or not birthday dinner, whatever. What was the, do you know what the dinner Anniversary dinner. Anniversary dinner. He forgets to send out the invitations. I gotta say, you know, we talked about the fact that Seema's always getting up and leaving. LTW and co, very forgetful people. Have you noticed this like recurring theme <laughs> of like LTWs always forgetting things? Didn't notice. Okay, well, I like just... forgetting what? Like, what else that she forgot? There's... It wasn't her who forgot the invitations. It was her husband. No, that's what I'm saying, and company. Okay. She forgot to order the Sprinter van to go to the Met Gala. Oh, you're right. But anyway, I, I so this was just super duper boring. I felt like... I don't even know really the point of this scene. I'm glad we got Victor Garber. It was nice to see Victor Garber. But I also felt like it was very pointed where this was all going because Charlotte was sort of taking on that dominant role. I don't know, him offering her the job in that moment, not my favorite. I think there's other ways we could have gotten her the job offer than to sit through a party for a lot of people that nobody was at, which is like is not good TV unless something wild happens at the party and it didn't. Um, so it just, this fell flat for me. Yes. So then we get... A very 11th hour moment, which I loved, which is the the party that Enid is hosting, mm -hmm. where we get Bitsy back in the mix. And I love have to her. say, I if, I, if I liked Bitsy last episode, I feel like Bitsy turned it all the way up in this episode. She has a hundred funny lines. I'm going to give the best one, but it was hard to choose. But when she's talking about Bobby, and I love the fact that Carrie comments on Bobby's homosexuality, which when Bobby first appeared in season five, the whole gag was that like everyone thinks he's gay, but no one says it to him. And so Carrie, you know, mentions that to Bitsy. Bitsy says, no one could please me in bed like my Bobby. So attentive to my needs. Mr. Broadway loves his lady. And the way she delivered that line, so good. Um, what a welcome return. I also feel like she brings out the best. She being Julie Halston brings Julia Halston brings out the best in Sarah Jessica Parker. Bitsy's iconic. I think Bitsy look, I'm happy that Andrus like that exists for all the Sex in the City fans, but has anybody <clears throat> thought about a spin-off for Bitsy? That's a great question. Or just, you know, have Bitsy be the fourth chair now. Oh my God, if it was Bitsy instead of Anthony in the cum conversation? 
She's game. She's she's definitely she's sending dick pics in the middle of a in the middle of a feminist party. And her mustache is freshly waxed, so I feel like she's yeah, you know she's more than ready to get it on the face. I love, and I will say, like this is one of those like details that is like exactly exactly right where Carrie's begins to go up the stairs and she spots this old older woman grabbing onto the stairwell and Carrie says can I um do you need any help and the woman goes do I look like I need help and then we get that joke repeated again because we have <laughs> Gloria Steinem <laughs> emerging from the bathroom and then Carrie's the next in line and sh she's obviously caught off guard because she's standing before Gloria Steinem and wants to tell her how much she regards her. And then that same woman is like, are you gonna go in or not? And it's just like, so great. I love those moments. And I also think I particularly love Sarah Jessica's acting as Carrie whenever she's caught off guard by something. I feel like that's some of Sarah Jessica's best work is sort of when the character of Carrie is anticipating one thing and something else happened, I feel like Sarah Jessica has a way of like, just making that feel so real, which I know you could say, well, that's acting, but I just, I don't know. I love when she does that. I felt like I got my best sense of Carrie in all of these four episodes and the episodes of Sex and the City I watched. I felt like I got my best sense of Carrie in this party scene. Yeah. Like I really figured out who this woman was she felt very real to me she was funny and endearing but also like had her negative qualities of like you know sort of like her ulterior motives of being there and not wanting to help but being persuaded to help because she's being sort of like pulled and I, I felt like she was a very real character she was super real and i love that you sort of like get because you know you always want the characters to be growing and i feel like you, they were able to get this beat at the end where she ends up like learning a lesson from Gloria Steinem mm -hmm. by basically admitting to Gloria that she was reticent about coming to this event because she didn't want to be categorized, you know, with these women. And Gloria kind of offering, you know, her signature wisdom is just sort of like, you know, none of us want this, but, you know, we are a collective and we're stronger together, blah, blah, blah. And then Carrie, which I love, is just like, before I go, like, I got to get this for the gram, you know, she did. <laughs> if, if she's doing the vegan purse content, she has to mix it up with some, you know, celeb This is photos. the thing that was like, we need, we need to see her post the picture. I really want to see the Instagram. Yeah. I want to see her thread. I want to see her make her thread. I feel like it would have been fun if, and just like that made instagram accounts for all the characters oh my god um because can you imagine like che's instagram would be so oh my funny. god with the with the picture that they sent miranda in houston yep oh <laughs> also question mark like what's going on with che pasa because it's like che's in houston then they're in new york and it's like i thought we were like in the thick of filming also like did che not say that lyle drove them to new york very confusing. That's a long trip. It's a long trip. To be in the middle of a filming schedule. And uh, ostensibly, if that's the case, they stopped in Houston. Yeah. Which is not on the, the way. wrong way. They went the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, also, this begs the question of like, what's going to happen next? Because if anything, if Che's here, they're going to have to go back to LA. But it might be that, see, they filmed the Che Pasa pilot. And so maybe now the pilot is wrapped and they're waiting to see what's going to happen, whether it's going to air and then it's going to get picked up for a full season or whatever, right? Like I just think in the long term, off period. if Che, you know, maybe I'm thinking it through too much, but like, I hear you. But like, if the show gets picked up, which it very likely that would be the hope. Che would be moving to LA and also it's a che, bad yeah it's a bad time to be moving into an apartment in New York City yeah and it's just like and if anything I would think Miranda would want to be having conversations about the future especially because like if Steve is moving out and Brady is going to college Miranda in theory would want to downsize but like is she going to move in with Che like or I stay feel, in this beautiful house that they have and Che moves in I just don't see Che in this house Right. But yeah, I mean, maybe that's the big question. And then also it's like, at some point, are we getting a meeting between Che and Steve? Hmm. Cause I feel like we need that moment. I'm curious. That could be, to see. There could be comedy there. There, there could, could be comedy there. They could talk about Miranda and sort of like, they could both like make little jabs at Miranda. They could really hit it off. Miranda could be annoyed by that. That would be really fun. Yeah. 
They're kind of like like uh, like you know when she snores or whatever she uh-huh. might do. You know how her back. That would be so fun. Where it's ostensibly sort of like a non-sexual threesome where she feels like the third wheel. Yes, yes, yes. Where they're like totally chumming. It's it always up. it's the danger of introducing your ex to your new partner anytime. Mm. Is that like you don't want them sharing information, swapping stories. Mm-hmm. So we're four episodes in. So we're about mm-hmm. a third of the way through the show. We have no sign of Aiden just yet, but we Who? did get Aiden. Do you want to fill me in? Aiden was the great love of Carrie's life. So basically, Aiden was introduced in season three while her and Big had broken up. Okay. And they are together. And then Carrie begins having an affair with Big who is at that point married and things really. It's not Kyle McLaughlin, is it? No, that's Charlotte's ex-husband. Oh, I thought, okay. Okay. So things completely go. Oh my God, Charlotte downgraded. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. So then things completely (laughs) go off the rails. Aiden breaks up with her in season three. Then season four rolls around. Aiden comes back in the picture. And through a series of events, him and Carrie get back together and then they get engaged. Mm-hmm. And then Carrie gets cold feet. And instead of just saying, I don't want to get married, but like, I want to be with you, decides that they should end the relationship. So they end the relationship in season four. They bump into each other briefly in season six, where we meet Tate. Aiden's baby. So in uh, in theory, Aiden has met someone else and has a baby. Then in Sex in the City 2, they run into each other in a marketplace in Dubai. Are you with me? (laughs) And end up sharing a kiss. Carrie tells Big, because at this point her and Big are still married. Big's like, I don't love it, but we'll move forward. And so that's where we left off with Aiden. Are all the girls in Dubai? Yes. Do they wear like a headscarf or anything? Yes. Oh, that sounds like we're gonna do a Sex in the City two watch after oh, and just we? like that. <laughs> yes, we are. Good to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right uh, after our it takes two watch, we promised two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do an it takes two watch over Sloppy Joes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll record eating Sloppy Joes. Yeah, people will so love that's that. Great for a podcast. So Aiden is coming back. We don't know how or when. Oh, he is. Yes. We know this. We know okay. this. This is very confirmed. Oh my! In God. fact, in my interview for British Vogue with Michael Patrick King, he sort of talked about the fact. I don't even know if this made it in the final piece, but he sort of talked about the fact that when they were in the writers' room breaking season two, they needed something to sort of be the north star for the season, and that was the reintroduction of Aiden. And the reason I'm bringing this up right now is because Aiden and Steve are business owners. They own a bar called Scout, which is mentioned by Steve in this episode. Oh my God. We have not heard about Scout in many, many, many years. So I think however we're going to get Aiden back, my guess is it's going to be something related to Steve and to Scout. Wow. And I gotta say... I have heard that this next episode is going to be a turning point in a big way. When I I remember, because I read every single review, and there was one review, I don't know which one, there were so fucking many, that mentioned that like episode five is the episode, which for loyal fans of the show, they'll remember episode five of season one is the big famous episode with, hey, it's Jay Diaz and the finger banging and all of that. I think next week something big is going to happen. I don't know if it's necessarily Aiden, but we certainly feel, to quote Miranda, it does feel like we're at some sort of precipice here because we've sort of like reached the end of the road. Like, you know, care, like what's like, we've reached the end of the road in terms of like things that have happened. We need the next thing to happen. Yeah, we do, we do. So this was um, like a nice breather episode. It was like, yeah. it kind of had this, this early portion. This is sort of like a cleansing of the palate and a time to move into the real story of season two. Because it's halfway done. Well, not quite because we've still got episode 11. Yes. So that is episode four. What I want to do before we end is sort of touch down with you, Sean. PayPal me (laughs) $100,000. 
<laughs> Can you PayPal that amount of money? No, we talked. We've done. We've tried doing this in the past. Remember, <laughs> we've tried PayPaling a hundred thousand dollars. Not a hundred thousand, but like we, you have to. You have. Or maybe I'm thinking. I think of there was some kind of limit. I think there's some sort of limit. Like they can't just like that. That is a money laundering risk. Yes, but I. But I will say I do appreciate the show recognizing Carrie's wealth and not like. Yeah, and like I really like that. Yeah. And being like, yeah, she's got a hundred thousand dollars. Also, the introduction of the term "we became pay pals," which I don't—I've never heard anybody say before. It's Horrible like because and they could have Venmoed, right? They, it could have been like, oh, we we added each other on Venmo, but no, we became pay pals. Not my favorite line ever written. Um, Not but, the best, but but it somehow it's memorable. Works. I also just want to say, Sarah Jessica Parker looked. So beautiful in this episode, and it needs to be said. Like, yeah. a beautiful, beautiful human being. And I do just want to go on record briefly in this safe space that is this podcast and say, you know, I for those of you that don't know, I did get the follow back from Sarah Jessica yeah, after many, many you years. Did. And I proceeded to post several things that Kim Cattrall had said. And I get a lot of questions as yeah. to, like, are you team kim or team sarah jessica my top level would be like there are no teams um i am team sex in the city and these are two women that are a part of it but i do want to say when push comes to shove i am a million percent team sarah jessica parker kim cattrall's actions in 2017 (laughs) were incredibly out of pocket and unforgivable and though i think she is iconic is that it, it's so it's because she she blocked you no i'm referring to the post that she the public post about sarah jessica okay, after yeah, the I death know. of kim's mother do you know about this uh like i not that i i know that something went down but i don't know the details so it's let's see <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this is 2018. I apologize. Okay. Kim Cattrall's post, the I hate re, I hate the word reactionals, but just briefly. But so the post itself is an image with the words, I don't need your love or support at this tragic time at Sarah Jessica Parker. The caption reads, My mom asked me today, when will that Sarah Jessica Parker, that hypocrite, leave you alone? Your contentious, re- your continuous reaching out is a painful reminder of how cruel you really were then and now. Let me make this very clear, if I haven't already. You are not my family. You are not my friend. So I'm writing to tell you one last time to stop exploiting our tragedy in order to restore your nice girl persona. And then she proceeded to link to an article in the New York Post titled, Inside the Mean Girl Culture That Destroyed Sex in the City. Oh. In terms of shots fired, this is a cannon. Um, we won't go down this road, but I'm just, all, all this to say, when I post the Kim Cattrall quotes, I post them because I think that they're funny and I mean them in the lighthearted way. And again, like I said, I don't believe in the sort of like this versus that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, like, I do have a loyalty and that is because I know Sarah Jessica and I do not know Kim. Um, I was about to say I don't wish to know Kim. That's not entirely true. Um, but like I said, at the end of the day, team SJ. So before we depart, do you have anything to add? No, I was just going to say after this recording, I'm going to reach out to Kim's people and see if she'll come on the podcast to discuss it. That would be great. I mean, I did. I will say she Google. She looks up her name on Twitter. She responded to my tweet yesterday and I did not <laughs> add her in it. Um, so she is searching her name. So I wanted to touch down because I feel like when we did our episode one and two recaps, you know, we did those back to back, you were entering the world of and just mm-hmm. like that. So you were doing a lot of like catching up while also just acclimating to the unique space that is and just like that. Then we did episode three, which I think, again, was still figuring out the world. I mm-hmm. feel like episode four, not only are you Sean settled in, but I feel like this season feels a little bit more settled in. How are you feeling about the show now? I have to say that I'm more settled in than I even realized because we've now gotten to this place that we're usually at with Survivor where I'm reminding you of the names of characters. Uh And so that's going well for me. (laughs) Uh, I'll say that this was the most enjoyable episode I've seen. I think I already said that. In this episode, I feel more comfortable with the characters. 
I still think there's a lot of fat to trim on this show. I do miss the 30-minute format of Sex in the City. I don't think that in Just Like That has to be uh, 45 minutes. I don't know that they have enough to say, but I really liked this light-hearted nature of this episode with the, all the cum talk and the jizz talk and I really loved the Enid stuff and sort of Carrie trying to figure out what she's doing and what her next career move is. Very interesting to find out that she has a three book deal so there is another on the way and the book's out by the looks of it or at least she's got an mm-hmm. advanced copy that she's allowed to be giving out to Jackie no idea if he actually got it because he was shitting the hollandaise sauce out uh, in the restaurant. But I do <laughs> never think be like heard a from again. Of... <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> like you know, Carrie just laughed. Like, yeah, pay the bill. She's like, she I'm out of here. <laughs> She's like, oh my god, vivant. Yeah, um, and <laughs> dying to get a mention in the newsletter, which like newsletters are the new thing. Like your newsletter blew up, Enid's blue ne- newsletter blew up. So. Uh, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff going on in this episode. Very curious to see where it goes. You've got me a little bit more excited for the next episode in that we might be getting a long-term plot line for Carrie. Mm -hmm. And I got to say, having, you know, watched those first four in advance, next week's episode, it will be the first time I'm watching like a new episode along with everybody. And I'm just so like this whole time I've sort of known where things were going up until now. And I feel like everyone else is now caught up and I'm amongst the civilians. Um, And one more thing to say is that I have really turned around on Seema. I'm going to continue to dislike her just for the bit, but I have to say, and yeah, like we've seen less of her in this episode, especially, but there's been i think she's had her moments she's had her moments that i'm like okay like i kind of i i get her i get the character yes i think um the response that what's funny i think you and i talked about this over a voice memo was like the fandom on, on the whole is way is pretty up on sema uh, amongst the new yeah, characters it seems time. like ltw and sema seem to be the ones that fans are driving with most i think people are pretty ambivalent about naya and then obviously everyone knows Che's a very divisive character um i think with sema we continue to hit similar beats in every episode which is that sure. like she is very rich bitch so and also like I feel like we maybe finished up the plot line with the with the guy the the I don't know his name. Hopefully, like I think Seema's in search of her function within the show still. Yeah, I, I really liked her earring uh, in the scene with <sighs> Carrie, and I don't know if you noticed it. It was like a big metal piece. I liked that earring, but also in that scene, we haven't we don't I know we haven't really been touching down on the fashion. But the Maleficent hat. I I thought it was a pirate hat. Carrie's pirate hat. I thought it was wild. It was pretty wild. <laughs> That's all you wanted to say about it? That's all. Okay, good. Um, so that isn't just like that this week. Um, on my latest meme post, Sean, what's the emoji? Oh, um, well, is there a pirate hat emoji? That's a good question. I don't think there is. Pirate. There is a pirate flag. I don't like that. That's way too niche for the episode. How about... I was going like, to say like, do the, the poop for um, Jackie's gastrointestinal issues, but we just did the poop for Drop Your Buffs. Because <laughs> there were also, interestingly, gastrointestinal issues on the latest episode. I know, yeah, I was thinking about that. Is there an Eggs Benedict? Uh, <laughs> That's specific. No, there's not an Eggs Benedict. Hey, this is the second piece of egg content we've had, too, because... Carrie famously poached an egg okay, can in the I, first episode. Can I choose the, the emoji? Yeah, by all means. Can we do the toilet emoji in honor of Gloria Steinem emerging from the bathroom? Yes, I, I love think that. for me, I mean, A, Gloria Steinem emerging from a bathroom is funny enough. The fact that they included the flush. Yeah, they did. It's just. <laughs> and it's also like, I guess she didn't wash her hands. Because she didn't. Oh, well, because it flushed like flushed you know, in the well, door. She opens. may have gotten up, washed her hands, dried them, and then used the tissue to flush the toilet paper. Maybe to keep the hands clean. I and don't know. The door with the tissue. That's a but lot that of work. That is a very unusual thing to do. But but just the fact that they included that moment, and I understand it was in service of Carrie meeting her, but yeah. just 
big iconography. I gotta say, like, I had a really hard time whittling down my memes this week because there were just so many moments. That's what happens. Well, we have some bad news for those of us on uh, the Patreon. I announced like a very exciting interview that we were doing tomorrow. Guess I what? had. Just got... I was gonna stop you. It's yesterday. like any time that I announce something, it doesn't happen, and so I need to stop doing that. But to your credit, we didn't name names, and I think that would have been. The... I did. I did say who it was on the Patreon. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that interview is being postponed. It is not canceled. So it's just going to take another week or so to come out, um, which is honestly probably better. It means we're going to have better questions and more time to think this through. So don't worry. It is on the way. We have icons coming and more icons up our sleeves. Uh, so make sure that you're subscribed so that you don't miss any of that and any of our upcoming and just like that recaps. And if you're enjoying these, please rate and review because we got to get that uh, Shut Up Evan review out of the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.